When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? It's your boys, John Lee. And Jack Coglin. And welcome to another episode of Courtside Eclipse Nation podcast. Today, we're joined by another special guest. He lives all the way in the UK. He's a writer slash contributor for Eclipse Nation and the Anfield Rap for Liverpool. Josh Sexton, welcome to the pod. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. I, th- I think you are the the third international guest we've had. I made a mistake. Uh, Nicole from Lakers SB Nation was the first. I made a mistake when we got our other British friend, Chuck, last time. So sorry, Nicole. Shout out, Chuck. Um, so yeah, welcome again. We have the eight-hour time difference. So it's it's very unique doing all these with other people. And it's cool to see everyone else um, who supports the team from across the globe. And you do it in the UK. So I kind of want to ask you, what's it like covering the Clippers from the UK? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough really in a sense because of how big the time difference is. Like one of the one of the questions I get asked the most when I speak to fellow basketball fans is why didn't I pick one of the East Coast teams? Because obviously the time difference is, is not quite as as big there. And to be honest, it, it feel, I feel like it adds something to my experience of watching the Clippers. So what, what I'll tend to do is I'll, I'll be in bed when they actually tip off, but I'll wake up a, f- a few hours early if, if they've played and, and watch them in the morning before I go to work. So I quite like having that sort of routine around it and, and getting up to watch them because there's been some like games where you you I'll like get up and watch it and the Clippers have won and then you just, you go into work like in the best mood. So it's 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 cool. And, and then obviously coming on to like the right inside of it as well has, has added like another dimension, I guess, to, to my support of the team because you start to sort of see things in a different way and think of things in, in a different way than when you just, you know, when you're just watching the games. Mm-hmm. So the Clipper yeah. games are like your cup of coffee, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it, it, it could, it depends which way it goes in terms of, you know, it could be a very <laughs> bad cup of coffee if, if the Clippers have lost and it can really ruin my day or, or as I say, it, it, it can be the perfect start. Yeah, that would suck. Um, But yeah, I just want to note that. So Josh, uh, it's technically, I would say, like co-workers, co-contractors with Jack and I, because he's also with Clips Nation with us. He writes um, for them. I'm trying to think. He, I'm trying to think of something. I I remember reading something that you put out, but I can't I can't think of it now. But I'll, I'm sure I'll plug it later once I find out. But anyway, back to staying up to watch games. Did you stay up to watch Game Six uh, against Utah, or did you wake up uh, to watch it? Yeah, so I, so I stayed up for that sort of sense, and that it was it was going to be a big game in in the Clippers history. I obviously didn't expect exactly uh, how it went, but w- w- so I was doing a, a like a big charity walk, which I had to be up at like five a.m. for I think, um, as in like five a.m. to get ready to to go. And I think I ended up leaving about, about six a.m. maybe a little bit later than that. Um, so it sort of fell perfectly. Like I just I just went to bed really early here woke up uh, in time for tip off and then yeah watch the game and it was it as we talked about you know it being the the cup of coffee for, for me to go on a 26 mile walk after it was, it was perfect <laughs> thing to, but yeah perfect thing to put a spring in my step that was for sure yeah our other friend from the UK Dan um we'll probably try to get him on one day he's I think he lives in London 
he said he stayed up for it. So not like you, he didn't go to bed. He stayed up for it. And I think he said once they went down 25, he went to bed and then he woke up <laughs> and found out they won. So that struggle is crazy. Like staying up to watch games. I think even with like me with the Premier League, if there's like a big game, like sometimes I'll get up because it'll be like 4.30 our time, but I believe it's uh, like afternoon for you guys. And then sometimes like I'll watch them, but I honestly, I can't do it. Like, so I don't know how you guys do it. It's like very admirable, admirable. So props to you for doing that. Um, another thing I wanted to ask uh, is what exactly drew you to the Clippers? I know besides like it being like a West Coast team is wanting to add like, you know, some spice to like your fandom, but why specifically the Clippers? It, it was interesting really because so I probably started watching basketball back in like 2001 originally because they started showing it on on like terrestrial TV we call it over here which is like the free channels that everyone gets with with their with their TV and um it was it was around the time that like obviously the Sixers and, and the Lakers were like the two probably the two best teams in the NBA and I loved Allen Iverson like that's that Allen Iverson is like one of my perfect kinds of players in terms of that like flashy point guard um a, like a bucket getter and stuff like that and I went to university with a guy called Ross, who's a massive Boston Celtics fan. So around that time, I was I started watching it again, like watching Celtics games and stuff with him. And he was like, oh, you'll have to pick a team. And I was like, well, I'll probably pick the Sixers because of Iverson. And he, he was like, no, you can't pick the Sixers. <laughs> so so I, had to, I had to go elsewhere. And um, around that time, that was when, uh, this was like 2013, I think. Um, so Chris Paul and Jamal Crawford, uh, like probably fit into the, the sort of, you know, the style of point guard that, I like to watch um, and those guys were playing for the Clippers at the time and, it, and it, it, it sort of became a big news story over here when the whole Donald Sterling stuff happened. Um, so there was there was like hints in the news over here that the Clippers were going to do a protest in their game. So, so I stayed up to watch that, that game against the Warriors where they turned the, the training uniforms inside out and watch that game and that and they, they were so fun to, to watch that game as well. It was like prime Lob City Clippers. So um, I think from from then my 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 fandom was secured and it's been quite the ride ever since. I would say that um, you clearly have a type of your favorite player. You must love Reggie Jackson. I would say right because yeah. he's very he's yeah. very flashy. I I would say at times like he he can, it's like a love hate thing with him sometimes. But I think when he's hot, like it's it's hard not to love him. And he's better than Allen Iverson, so you gotta love him. <laughs> it's, Jesus it's the Christ. same. It's the same with Lou Will as well, because obviously, obviously Lou yeah. Will's like a, like was um, Iverson's rookie and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so once Lou Will left, that that had like another element of sadness. But the the funny thing was, is that outside of like the flashy point guard kind of thing, I really, I, I, when I started to watch basketball properly, I really started to like two way players. Mm -hmm. So obviously Paul George became like a massive favorite of mine when he was in Indiana because he was like the only thing that could stop LeBron basically. Um, and then when, the day that Paul George signed for the Clippers, I was like, oh, this is just, this is absolutely perfect. Yeah. What was your reaction to that? Because I know mine, I was, I was kind of like you guys, like I was asleep. And then I woke up in the middle of the night uh, to go to the bathroom and I checked my phone and I saw it and I couldn't fall asleep for the rest of the day. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that news? Yeah, very excited. I, th I think it probably broke around the morning time. Of, of like so I'd probably just woken up to to the news mm -hmm. thing I think it would have been Woj that that dropped it as as it, as it usually is unless it's Shams um 
and and they saw they're like oh yeah Paul George had been traded and like look, looked at the package first of all and was like assessing the package and I was like you know what like I'm not I'm not even going to look into this too deeply because Paul George has, has signed for the team and that's like that's the super cool thing I've actually got is a his jersey on the wall there so so that's uh so that's that's a sign of how much he's he is yeah one of my favorite guys in the in the nba generally and then when he signed for the clippers it was so exciting Mm -hmm. for those for those of you who can't see which is all of you um josh just (laughs) panned his camera he has a frame paul george jersey so that's pretty sick um he's i need to also note he's wearing a los angeles canoes shirt so shout out joseph ryan ward in the clip set pod um i josh you're fan of them right there i think they're my favorite pod clippers podcast besides ours of course of course <laughs> yeah of course of course besides this one but what what i like about this one and and clip set is that it's it's all about like supporting the team i think there's there's too many people involved in sport who want to like you know bring the players down or, mm-hmm. or like question yeah. too much rather than just like enjoying the, the the vibes of supporting the team and that's one of the things that i think's been like so good about clippers fandom for for a few years now and like me getting more into that sort of circle online and stuff like that as well is, is how much people just want to have a good time and enjoy it. And I think you, you guys and Joseph and Brian in particular, like bring, bring that energy to it, which, which I like, and I think is, is underrated and in, in like the, the media sphere now. Thank you. Yeah. Negativity sells. So that's probably, that's probably why, but yeah. um, what do you call it? I'm, I'm probably the more negative one. Of, yeah, uh, we're, we're positive Jack. vibes only over here. Luckily, I'll counteract John's <laughs> negative with the positives. Yeah, anytime though, I feel bad, though, like every time I like say something bad, like I was like, oh, I don't think he should play. <laughs> like, I feel really bad about it. So, well, it's <laughs> well, fine. It's good you have empathy. It's, it is very good. <laughs> um, Josh, I want to ask, how did you get into writing for the Clippers? And then later on, I'll pro- um, I want to know how you got into writing for Liverpool as well. Yeah, well, the, the the two are sort of linked in in a way in that I've been writing for for Liverpool or about Liverpool now for for a couple of years. I, I started off doing sports journalism at, at university, so it was sort of like the perfect job for me to to go into straight after that. And I'd basically once the once the the season finished after we had lost to the to the Suns in in the conference finals, I was like I felt really compelled to write about the team because of how. I guess like positive they they'd made it watching them that that season you know even even during the playoffs when you know guys kept going down injured we obviously went into the playoffs with the Ibaka injury Zubac is is the second guy to go down I think and then obviously Kawhi goes down which is the the, the sort of nail in the coffin but that that team and and Ty Lue in particular it just made like such a such a joy to watch them so I actually wrote a, a piece about like the the vibe that he'd brought in and how much of a contrast it was from from the days of Doc and like particularly the bubble because that's that's probably like among bar maybe when we lost to Houston in, in 2015 that's probably the lowest I've I've felt as a Clippers fan was in the bubble because of how Oof, high yes. expect, how high the expectations were yeah and how much they they failed to, to meet those expectations um so I wrote a piece and I just published it on LinkedIn and then I think I seen like a, a role going at Clips Nation so I, so I like applied for the role and then Sabrina got in touch and I, and I sent in that that piece that I'd done for LinkedIn and it's sort of it, it went from there and it's, it's been so cool like contributing ever since and as I say like getting involved in in more of the the Clippers fan stuff and you know communicating more with Clippers fans and then getting to do this with, with you guys as well it's all like it feels like it brings my my fandom my support of the Clippers full circle another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, you're like us. We're actually both very new to this. Like, I think Jack and I started in, like, January. Like, so it, Yeah, we, around then, yeah. Yeah, we were, like, mid-season. I started writing in October uh, for a small site. Um, but <clears throat> I want to know, do you like writing for Liverpool more than – the Clippers, or does that have to do with anything, like if you prefer one of the sports over the other? I, I, I prefer football to basketball because football is sort of the thing that I've always, you know, liked and, and watched growing up. And it's, and it's also like given me a, a full-time job as well. So, I, so I'll always have football to thank for it. But what I like about basketball is that because, because I now work in football, basketball has become like the escape without having to completely escape sports because who wants to do that because a life without sports is right is, is is a miserable one isn't it although we're mostly miserable whenever our teams are losing <laughs> um, but, but but that's what that's what i love about like writing about basketball is that sometimes it, it just feels like an, an escape like sometimes i can come home from work and just sit and you know write something or come back and watch a clippers game or watch some clippers highlights and and that's like that's like a cool thing for for me to be able to do so i'd say that it's it's probably got to the point where i prefer writing about basketball, but but I, I think I'll always prefer football because as I say, I've, it's, right. it's just been that way my whole life. And it's way bigger over there too. Like, yeah. Um, especially because everyone that's like the his, history of the sport over there is like way bigger. Like even for us, like um, here, we don't even call it that. And then plus our league isn't good. So that's, <laughs> we have, we have washed players come here so they could still be good. Um, And also, John, are you good at soccer? Am I good at, no, I'm terrible. I'm good at FIFA. I'm not good at soccer. Okay, we might have to run a FIFA game one day. Yeah, we should. I've been playing since like 2012, so I'm pretty nice. Okay, um, well, never mind then. Yeah, <laughs> cook you. Was, but, um, you guys have to live stream that because I think there's going to be people who, who are going to want to see that. Well, yeah, we'll get like 10 people watching it. Just watch me demolish Jack. Um, but something else about that, uh, you mentioned like the bubble being your the lowest um, you felt as a Clipper fan. Well, it was pretty much all of us. There was one day where PSG and um, Bayern were playing in the final, and I'm a PSG fan, so I watched that. I watched that game, uh, like super excited because they were in the final. They had a chance to win Champions League, and they lost by one goal. And I was like so sad. I was like, thank God, at least there's another, there's a Clipper game later today I could watch. And it happened to be the game where Luca hits a step back game winner. So Ooh. it was the lowest I felt as a sports fan, like until the actual loss to the Nuggets. So. That time was like super rough, but um, yeah, we don't need to revisit that. Um, I want to move on to this next question. Um, what do you think are the uh, football equivalents to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? See, because of my Liverpool bias, I'd, I'd like to say that it's something like Virgil van Dijk and, and Mo Salah maybe in terms of, you know, those two guys who just lead a team and, and uh, like, you know, two of the best players in, in, the, in the whole of the sport in my eyes, which Kawhi and Paul, uh, Kawhi and Paul are and, and Van Dyke and, and Salah are. So I'll, I'll go with those two, but there's, there's probably, you know, another team out there that someone could pull out the air, which has two like such 
leading guys and, and guys who who are who are so good at like the, the the entirety of the sport as well. Like I'd say Virgil Van Dijk is that in terms of his all round game is like pretty much flawless. Obviously Salah Salah's a forward, so he's not you know completely right. done on, on on the on the defensive end. But the way the way he, he he gets goals, I think there's I think there's a lot of sort of similarities between the way those guys are in in the team and in the club and 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 in, in the city too. Yeah, maybe uh maybe Holland and De Bruyne. Um, once we see that, but I know you don't like them, so maybe we won't. I don't, use that I don't one. like that comparison as much. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll find something else. I, I do remember back in the day they would compare uh Ronaldo to LeBron and Messi to Steph, and I thought that was like a really good comparison for those. That's why I was always wondering what Kawhi and PG would be, but it's like they're more like two way guys, so it's kind of hard to find that. Um, uh, in football, just because there's like uh, attack, defense, and then the midfield. Um, who does a little bit of everything, but I, I one time compared uh Nicholas Batum to uh Angolo Conte, and I got flamed for it <laughs> because like he was like balling at this time during the season. For those of you that don't know, Conte is like one of the best midfielders in the world, um, and he does like everything, so that's why I compared him to him. And they're both like French guys, so I thought it was like a really good comparison, but um, I probably won't be doing any more comparisons like that anymore, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one to do. To be fair, it's always tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Um, moving on to um, this actual upcoming season. Obviously, there's like a lot of questions. I want to say going into it, like obviously they're big favorites. I want to know what do you think they're gonna do with the backup center position? It's it's an interesting one to be fair. In, in that when they got Moses Brown on on the training camp deal, I, di- I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. I, m- I mentioned Ross before, who's a, who's of course a Celtics fan, and he he'd sort of warned me to be cautious around Moses Brown in that he's a guy who, who seems like he has a lot of upside and potential. In, in he obviously he was only at the Celtics for a short time, but he didn't he didn't sort of realize that potential there. But I just think that the Clippers have created such a good you know environment for players to to thrive in down the years there's been so many players who've been written off previously and then come to the clippers like batum is 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 obviously a a really good example of that and one you just you just mentioned before in terms of you know the everyone in the league thought he was probably you know coming up to retirement and he was he was you know wasting money in 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 charlotte at the bottom of the bench in in charlotte once him and i think it would probably be james borrego at the time wouldn't it had had agreed that that he was just going to sit um and then for him to come to the clippers and and ball out like you say and, and play the way he has done is like is I think a testament to to the environment that's been created by the Clippers front office and by Tyler in particular. So I wouldn't be against you know getting a guy in like Moses Brown who does have so much upside and, and so much potential. And then I guess if it, if it if it backfires and he doesn't play well, we've still got guys like Rocco, guys like Nico, um, and and even Morris who can who can play sort of small ball centre. Now I guess the the issue would be if if Zubac gets an injury, which he doesn't tend to do but you you never know these things and I, and I reference that, that playoff series before where, where he obviously where he, where he did get his injury um so that there's there would there would be you know uh, I guess problems around that in terms of you wouldn't want Moses Brown to be playing two big minutes particularly if he, if he hadn't thrived but I wouldn't be against seeing a guy like that come in because I think we did we did the same thing with Hartenstein didn't we really in that we we sort of took a risk on a guy and and it was a guy who'd who'd you know bet on himself as well and and it and it massively paid off for for us and for and for him and it's obviously now paying him well over in in New York as well which is good to see. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if he could fit because Moses Brown and Hartenstein both have like, um, I won't say drastically, but they're pretty significant different play styles. Like one of them's like a roll rim roller, 
uh, screen setter. Uh, and then Hardstein to me was like an engine of the bench offense, like just all the dribble handoffs, the backdoor passes, um, operating on a pick and roll stuff. And Brown's been on a different team, I want to say, every season in his career. So for some reason, like teams aren't staying with him. So that I think that looks like a red flag on paper. But like I think everyone says he's still young, like the potential in him. He gets to go back uh, where he went to school um, in UCLA in that area. But he's huge, he's like seven two long, frail. But I, I'm interested to see what he does. Diabate is on a two way, so he can't play the whole time, um, and he won't be able to be playoff eligible, I believe. So I'm curious to see. There's still Dwight. There's still Hassan Whiteside. Uh, Blake, Paul Millsap, but I would prefer like an actual like seven footer in terms of that. Uh, Jack, what do you have to say about that backup center spot? Yeah, I mean, we've seen Dwight still put up some solid numbers, you know, with the Lakers here and there and then Philly. And so, I mean, Dwight could be cool. I mean, Hassan Whiteside wouldn't be the worst thing ever. He, he did all right with Utah, I guess. Like, it, I mean, those are two viable options. Of course, every Clipper fan has that part in their heart that wants Blake back. I don't know how much I want him back. Better. Yeah, I, I really want him back. I'm not sure how much he would play. Uh, but based on those options, I feel like I feel like Dwight or uh or Hassan Whiteside could be like a solid enough option, especially because we're gonna go small ball so many times and have, like Josh said, Nico or Morris at the five or something. But in case we need that extra big traditional big kind of like uh Zubots, and I feel like Hassan Whiteside or Dwight could be a, a solid option. Yeah, and you don't want to run your small ball guys into the ground because you're going to exactly. use that the most in the playoffs. And by the time you get to the playoffs, you were pl- you were doing that the whole season. You can't just like um, – it's going to be counterintuitive in my opinion. So we'll yeah, see about totally. that. I, again, the KD situation is definitely holding everyone up. So I think once that falls, we'll see some things um, fall into place. Uh, another thing I want to ask you, Josh, is – who do you think should start at point guard? Because I think it's a lot closer than people think. Um, actually, people I think people do think it's close, but I think you can't go wrong with either. But I want to know who you think should start. Yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one, really. And the way I've tried to think about it, because I don't, I really don't think there's very much in it. And I think what John Wall will bring this season won't be sort of, I guess, what we'd come to expect from John Wall. Like he's not, he's not going to come in and be the All Star John Wall. And, and I like, I like that he's sort of come out and said that as well that like he's you know he's he's played Batman in the past and he wants to play Robin for 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 a bit on a team now like I like that he's coming in with that mentality and I I guess in that sense I I could see him being a really good option off the bench like one of the things I, I worry about with that with that backcourt on the bench is is like the defense I guess and and the idea of him being on the bench I think he's probably a slightly stronger defender than than maybe Reggie Jackson is and and you know Reggie is obviously a, a, a energy player but He's not historically been a been a typically good defender, so I think I'd prefer the idea of Reggie being sort of um, like playing alongside Paul George and Kawhi, playing alongside good wing defenders, and and you know sort of covering for some of his what he lacks in in, in defense, and then having a guy like Wall off the bench who's probably a little bit stronger, and it gives you gives you a bit more around a guy like Luke Kennard who is who you know has little to no defense. That's a good point, actually. Uh, the defense part, um, like. You could like hide uh, Reggie Jackson, but that's a good point you made because now you're going to put him with uh, Kawhi PG um, and PG plays the two at six, nine, which is still crazy. Um, and at the floor, they'll go Rico or Rico, Rocco or Nico. And then um, 
you have him and then Zubats protecting the rim. I think the only reason I want to see uh, Wall start initially is because I really want to see how he and Zoo work together as a pick and roll. I mean, obviously, they're going to go under on screens a lot, but if he can manipulate and get downhill, I think he could feed Zoo like he would feed Gortat because I feel like it would be really it'd be really interesting. And then plus, I think John Wall with the small ball lineup, um, they're going to space the floor with, for him and he's going to be able to get downhill uh with and then break down the defense and then like a little less help defense because just because they have shooters on them but um i'm trying to think who i want i do want wall to start at first and if it doesn't work out after like i want to say 20 ish games i'd probably uh go back to reggie but jack what do you think yeah i still am on team start with reggie at the start because he's earned that with the team and he's just you know throughout these years all the memories we have of him and all the the great games he's had. I feel like he's earned to still start, especially because John Wall hasn't played in a bit. And I feel like Ty Lue, you know, could definitely change. So if John Wall starts playing really, really well, then Ty Lue could change it up and and put John Wall at the one to start. But then they also said they were going to compete in training camp, right? So it could be, yeah. you know, who, who knows what's going to happen there. But I'm still I'm still siding with Reggie at the start. Just I, I feel like he's earned that with the, with the organization and the fan base, the coaches, everyone. Um, so yeah, I'm signing with Reggie at the start, but definitely, definitely feel like it could change if John Wall starts to to perform really well off the bench. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either, to be honest. Totally. At this point, yeah, it's and a then, great problem to have. Yeah, it is. Even with like, I won't say with Bledsoe last year, like Wall's a better Bledsoe, um, but they're both kind of like uh, downhill attacking guards first. Um, and I remember that contract when they would play together didn't really work too well, but this is when. They didn't have Kawhi, so they kind of wanted a different point of attack. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, Josh, who do you think is going to surprise us the most on the Clippers this season? I th- I think maybe Amir Coffee, and it seems like the obvious answer in in that he's he's probably the one who has the lowest expectation around him on on the team in terms of you know you don't necessarily expect him to play big minutes. I don't I don't think anyone would have expected him to play big minutes last season, but obviously it's it becomes circumstantial around the injuries, but I really, really like Amir Coffey's game. I love, I love that the Clippers have paid him as well. Cause I feel like he, he did, he deserves that. Like, like Jack said about Reggie's contribution to the team. I like that the Clippers are an organization who recognize things like that. And I feel like Amir Coffey has, has contributed loads to, to the organization and to the team. So I, I would say he'd be the one who I, I suppose would surprise the most in the, there would be that low expectation, but I expect him to, to go and, and ball out and, you know, do do good things. I, I loved some of those games last season where it was sort of like the, you'd see like really COVID hit games. Um, obviously, don't love that there was COVID hit games, but I liked that in those games, you'd see like a, a guy like Amir Coffee come through and I think like it was against the Thunder where he put up like 30, 30 odd points. Um, so I, I loved seeing stuff like that. I love seeing Amir coming out and, you know, carry, carrying the ball up the court and things. So I, I would say Amir would be my guy. Who was yeah, he was like the leading scorer. He was the their best player. Like a yeah, week yeah. straight or something like that. It was a run. That was, that was a cool era. Yeah. That, uh, what do you call it? To me, it's going to be hard to, to see him play. Just consider how deep this team is. Even when there's injuries, I'm, I'm wondering how much he will actually play. <clears throat> Cause I, I, I don't know why for me, I always forget about Norman Powell, like with this, cause I'm not thinking, I don't know why I'm not really thinking about, too much, but he was averaging 20 a game when he was playing uh with the Clippers before he got hurt. So I'm I want to see how he does with all the other stars around him um and all the other good contributors. Um, but for me, I would say my biggest 
I don't know. I don't think it's a surprise, but I think Terrence Mann's going to make a big, a bit of a jump. I think he's got another year of confidence um, to him. I think he's uh, going to play a big role because they're going to want uh, more versatile defenders. I think his ball handling and shooting is going to improve a little bit. Um, we saw some of some of that last year. Uh, you could see his shooting form got better. He went to more one motion, and then you could see there were games where he was just way more confident than you wouldn't have seen that in the season before, but I think he might surprise us. We might see a big uh, season from him. Jack, what about you? Yeah, I remember uh, last year, I remember going into this and everyone was like, oh, Terrence Mann, most approved. Terrence Mann, most approved. He's going to go take a huge leap. And at the start of the season, it was a little like, okay, you know, he's he hasn't taken that huge leap yet. And then towards mid-season to the late season, you really start to see him go off for the Clippers and make a lot of contributions for us. Uh, closing this off, Josh, I want to know, What's your bold prediction for this season? I guess it's, it's the boldest prediction you can make around this Clippers team. But I, I, and it's, I've said the same thing about this Clippers team for like years and years now, probably since Kawhi and, and Paul George came in, is that as long as this team can stay healthy, then, then the sky is really the limit for them. And, and I, I see this season as being the one that they finally make that push into at least getting to the NBA Finals. But if, since we've got to go bold, I'm, I'm going to say Clippers getting, uh, getting chips and dips for, uh, for this season. I have two predictions, and both are award-based. I, I think one of them isn't that much of a prediction. I'm, I'm going to go with one of them. I'm going to go with Tyloo's going to win Coach of the Year because I think this is the most loaded roster he has um, since, like, Cleveland. And the West is open, and if they can stay in first, I think he, in the media they already know he's a good coach, like top three. So I think um, that's kind of what uh, awards are. It's all, like, media-driven, like what you're hearing. And like all that, because they're the ones that vote. I think he's going to win it because of all that. So, yeah, John, I like that prediction because especially, you know, you saw in the play in game against the Pelicans when Ty Lue started off with that small ball lineup and the Clippers made a huge run. You saw it in the year before uh, when we came back from 02 twice in a row and he knew he was doing well without Kawhi and making adjustments on the fly and being a great coach. So I feel like the fans, the media, they're starting to see like, oh, yeah, Ty Lue can coach. Like he got the rep that, Oh, he just coached LeBron, and so LeBron carried him, and he's can't really coach, uh, but he's definitely killed that kind of narrative and and showed that he's one of the best coaches in the league. So, yeah, I think if the, especially if the Clippers can get a huge great record, stay healthy, then Tyloo, that that's a pretty good prediction. I'm rolling with that too. I, I believe he'll win it as well. Wow, great co-host uh, synchronicity, synchronization. What is it? I don't really know. Uh, sure. We'll go with, we'll go with the latter. Whatever. Jack retweeted me. So that's <laughs> sick. Um, anyway, Josh, thank you again for coming on the pod. It, it's always cool to get international people on here too. And a fellow clips nation, uh, person. So I really appreciate you coming on everyone. Please, um, follow Josh and look at his work. Uh, whether you like football or basketball or whatever, uh, he does stuff for clips nation, the Anfield rap, Josh, where can these people find you on Twitter? I'm at jsexton24 on Twitter. So if you're a Clippers fan, come along and uh, and tweet me early in the morning UK time because I'll I'll know the score by then. <laughs> hey, any any relation to Colin Sexton? 
<laughs> I, I, I have a funny thing with this because um, my so my, my friend Ross, who I've referenced when, when we used to like get, get on 2K together, he would always like change the relation that Colin Sexton was to me. So he'd be like, oh, I'm just playing your great grandfather and stuff like that. <laughs> I'd, always, like, I'd always like send pictures of me and Colin Sexton, like with my my player on the court with Colin Sexton and stuff. And be like, oh, the family's all back together. So <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. That's funny. But yeah. Um, Follow him there, and then um, if you're a Liverpool fan, follow him. If you're a City fan, don't follow him. Uh, United <laughs> fan, don't follow Stay him. Away. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Jack, can they find you? They can find me at Jack Clippers on Twitter. Josh, thank you for coming on. You're the best, man. We really, really appreciate it. You're great. Thank you very much, guys, and keep keep up the good work as well. Like I said before, we we need these impeccable vibes in Clipper Nation to uh, yes, to keep to keep it rolling the way we are. So nice one, guys. Thank you. Of course, and then, of course. And then follow me at courtside underscore clips. Um, as usual, please uh, rate us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you guys listen. Uh, give us feedback. We always love the feedback. Um, the tweets, you guys, um, it means a lot to us. Whenever you tell us a good job or give us criticism, I don't really care. But. Uh, yeah, as always, go Clips.